you're a director as well, and you've mm-hmm. directed, uh, you know, a lot of names as well. Who, who have been some of the people that that uh, that are the most memorable people that you've directed? Uh, like you, you um, directed Paul Winfield, correct? And, and oh my goodness, I'm glad you said that because that's my favorite. <laughs> okay, Paul Winfield. For those of you who don't know, uh, uh, he's no longer with us, but he was a great African American actor in the '60s, '70s, on through the '90s. Um, and I got to direct him in this play called "The Life of Bernie Tud." I don't. It's just like it was a one-off. I, it was a, a play that took place in like a bar, um, and, and nothing ever really happened with the play. But when Paul Winfield, a friend of mine, knew Paul Winfield and he said, oh, well, why don't I ask him if, if he wants to do this play? And I said, if he wants to do it, yes. And so he did say yes, and we got to do it. Um, Paul Winfield, uh, when I was a little boy, and I think it was around 1972, I saw the movie Sounder yep. with Cicely Tyson. S- still brings a tear to my Winfield. eye. <laughs> still that ending and still brings a tear, tears to my eyes. Oh my God. It's just right now. I just got a, I have a, like a lump in my chest thinking about it. Sounder, which the movies that I saw were black exploitation movies, you know, uh, coffee and Superfly and Shaft and all these kinds of movie, uh, the, the Mac and all those. And those are fun movies to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sounder was, uh, a literary classic. Yeah, it was based yeah. on a book yeah. and it was such a beautiful film, beautiful story. And I just thought Paul Winfield and Cicely Tyson were just, they were gods and goddesses. And um, I never thought I'd ever, ever be in their presence. And I've gotten to meet both of them. And then to work with Paul, who was so gracious. And um, and I had been directing for a while, but still, this is an Academy Award nominated to be an icon of the Yeah, cinema. absolutely. And, uh, I'm like directing him. I'm telling Paul what to do. And he listened. Mm-hmm. That was what was so cool. And so that was probably one of the coolest things um, that I've ever gotten to do. And there have been other people, you know, who are, are famous. And um, but that really was like the first time I got to like work with, you know, an idol yeah. who happened to be famous and you know, letting me direct them. Wow. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still like overwhelmed by just thinking about it. I'm like, wow, what, that was an amazing moment. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, actually appeared on Julia a few times. Mm -hmm. That's my biggest regret about having done that show is that I wasn't older to have fully appreciated and learned from those people at the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was really just a Mm -hmm. little kid running around being myself but right. if I had been older, I would have loved to have, you know, soaked up more of their knowledge where mo- anything right. I learned was mainly by osmosis <laughs> than, mm-hmm, than anything mm-hmm. else. So you're working with Hugh Jackman. How mm-hmm. does Hugh Jackman get to have a career like Hugh Jackman other than being immensely talented? Because you need more than just being immensely talented yeah. in this business. Um, well, he's the kindest individual I, one of, that most people have ever met. Um and he's so generous. He finds moments throughout the play every single day and um, where he connects with everyone on uh, on the stage. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And it's so amazing. And 
and it's like it, he's someone you you feel like you you must be around mm-hmm. um and i actually start the show shoulder to shoulder with him and we sit together for a good three to four minutes uh, before the play starts and you know we check in with with each other and we talk about you know our day or you know maybe if we're tired that day you know sometimes you know we'll like you know pump each other up to get each other a a word some wisdom to get us through and one of my favorite things from him it's like always one scene at a time yeah yeah don't think about the whole play don't if you have two shows that day don't think about both shows Mm -hmm. just do one scene at a time so you can be present because he's incredibly present um and the the chemistry that he and Sutton Foster have on stage is I I haven't seen this since Mickey Rooney and Ann Miller in 1980 and Sugar Babies this I I everyone who sees it you know, it's like they, they think they're truly seeing something special. It's because they really are. It's uh, there's a lot of good uh, performances on Broadway. But to see chemistry like that mm-hmm. is truly a magical moment. Um, and they have such a blast on stage. And and it's just it's a joy to be around. And again, like he's older, uh, younger than I am. But I think of him as another person who inspires me. Mm-hmm. Um and you know oftentimes i go i just i gotta be more like you <laughs> well, I, I really do i really do well he sends off i mean you just get the feeling from you know when i hear him talk or you know in an interview mm-hmm. or whatever that uh he is a, just a, a nice guy a nice person yeah a nice yes, human being absolutely and very smart actor like like really smart like he just knows about things and i think he directs in fact i was going to ask him about that um, but I think he directs because there's something about his laser focus. It feels like a director, mm-hmm. you know, like his director hat is on even when he's the actor. Um, it's just really very strong mm-hmm. and very smart work on the stage. And of course, you've seen him on film. I mean, uh, they're talking about the the next Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Well, I say good luck to any of these young actors because... I don't know if anyone could be Wolverine after Hugh Jackman. Yeah, yeah. I really don't. There's just he's he's so committed and so uh, full bodied in his portrayals. Am I mistaken? But I thought I had come across something that said his wife with his manager or agent. But maybe I'm mistaking him with someone else. I don't know. But do you know if that's correct? Um, I, no, she's not his manager or agent. I mean, business partner with. I mean, I know they produce other things and she's also a performer. She's just uh, wrapped a film down in Australia okay. uh, that was a, a sequel to a big film that came out during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but uh, OK, so that must but, be I mean, someone else I'm thinking about then. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I really want to know, though, Lance, and, and mm-hmm. believe me, I want to hear all the dirt. So don't hold back. Uh Oh, but what was it like working with Lassie? okay so you're talking about there was a reboot of the 60s classic lassie that i did in i think it was the early 90s and d wallace stone who was a mom from et i think Uh yeah i think she's a mom from et or close encounters of a third kind i get confused she's the mom from one of those movies Mm -hmm. um and she was the mom on this playing the June Lockhart role, 
which um, who I got to meet when I was doing Ain't Misbehaving at the Amundsen. She came to see the show and I told her that I was I had been on Lassie. Um, I did only one episode of Lassie. It didn't run uh, very long. And I was, um, you know, the town uh, garbage person. And, um, you know, Lassie is always helping somebody down the well. Arf, arf, arf. Well, Lassie on the show was gorgeous. Hmm. The most beautiful... It's like Marilyn Monroe was playing Lassie. It was just, Lassie was gorgeous. Well, Lassie doesn't do all of the rehearsals. There's a little, uh, there's an understudy Lassie. (laughs) I don't remember the understudy Lassie, but still beautiful, but a little off, just a little (laughs) off. Like the nose was a little crooked. The hair wasn't as blown out and beautiful as Lassie. I swear, like, one leg was shorter than the other three. But it was, it was like this dog and also just not that smart. Well, um, this the episode is called, I think, The Kitty Saver. Uh-huh. And um, I'm a sanitation person. So, you know, there was a big thing about there was a little kitten going down into a sewer and um, it had to be safe. Well, um, Lassie was going to run to the sewer and and tell everybody that's where the kitty was you know he's down the well well the beautiful lassie had been taken to uh their trailer and then the understudy lassie with the crooked nose and the the fur not so fluffy and maybe only three even legs was there Uh and i'll never forget that dog sort of looked at me sort of half cross-eyed saw the kitten going into the sewer and was not supposed to run towards the kitten, but saw the kitten and thought it was his toy and went lunging for the kitten, mouth wide open and about to pounce down onto the kitten. But because I think one leg was shorter than the other three, tripped <laughs> over himself. Lucky for the kitten. And missed, missed the kitten by like a hair. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we had to shut down this set because it was like, you know, the the dog just sort of lost its mind for a second. Uh Um, So I was like, oh, my goodness, we got to get the real Lassie out here. Well, then the real Lassie came out and did it, of course, flawlessly. But, yes, I have worked with Lassie and whatever Lassie's stand-in's name was. And Lassie's Um, stand-in, yeah. And now I'm frightened of colleagues. (laughs) (laughs) traumatized you forever now it really did i think about it every time i see a collie i'm like is that a like a lassie or is that like lassie standby <laughs> standing well as i've mentioned you pretty much yeah. go from one show to the other and i've talked to dancers who have told me that as grateful as they are to have a steady gig in a show mm-hmm. that they feel mm-hmm. that they're not necessarily growing in the same way because they're you know like when they're taking classes they're doing different styles and working with different choreographers and but when you're doing the same show you're doing the same choreography and you know of course the Mm -hmm. art is finding something new in it but right these dancers have have said that they don't feel that they're really growing in that same way when they do Mm -hmm. do you find that as an actor too when you're doing the same show or do you think it's not the same kind of thing I do think it's very similar and it's like any repetitive job, you know, you, if you start stomping on your leg, you know, eight times at the same time of day, 
you know, six days out of the week, you know, you'll start to get your knees will hurt or your ankles will hurt. Um, and you go, oh, I can't believe I'm doing that again. This really hurts. Yeah, I think some um, people forget how physical acne is, too. Yes, as well. It's like, you know, even going up and down the stairs, You, it's like there's more of us who are like traumatized by the stairs than what we do on stage. But we still have to do it the same amount of times every single day. Um, but to tell you honest, God, truth uh, about not so much the physical, but the mental, you know, you have to be ready to tell that story again at 8 p.m. Mm -hmm. um, on a Broadway stage. And that's where the craft comes in, because all of it's not fun. Right. It is exactly. still a job. It is still a job. Yep. And, and that's when you have to figure out how to tell that story. And it's the, the, your character story, not your story. Um, but I I love a great note. Um, our director is Jerry Zacks, who has won four, uh, four Tony Awards. And this is like his 25th or 26th Broadway show mm -hmm. um, that he's directed. Okay. I mean, he's, he's sort of a legend. Mm -hmm. And Jerry Zacks has a couple of notes. But my, my favorite note for an actor, when you're doing a long run and you're thinking about how do I make this richer today than it was yesterday? I already did it yesterday. Mm -hmm. And he says, grow roots instead of branches. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Get deeper. Yep. Get deeper yes. into the character. There's always a way to get deeper. And um, I use that. I also, um, I try and forget the performances uh, previously so that when I'm doing it, I know the lines. But it's brand new. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I search the other characters' faces for what they want from me. Mm -hmm. So I'm constantly searching. What do they want? Every day, it's, have I gotten it? Even if I say the line, mm -hmm. I'm like looking to see if I've given them what they've been searching for and if they've given me what I'm searching for. Yeah. I think, that, does that make any sense? Absolutely. Like, I, I think a lot of people f forget or aren't aware of the craft of acting or the craft right. of performing. I mean, even someone like mm -hmm. Michael Jackson or Prince, of course, I named the two people that aren't with us anymore. But mm -hmm. though it may look like they're having so much fun on that stage, when they've right. sung that song for a thousand times, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, it's it's an art to make that look yes. easy and fresh right. and like right. it's the first time they're doing it. And also what it is, and this is where, you know, well, sorcery comes in. It's like you want to keep your soul open so that if you are aspiring to be a Michael Jackson or Prince or like our friend Lenny Kravitz, I think is up there as well. Mm -hmm. um, they all are open. So the music comes through them. Mm -hmm. So they are open. They are just like actors where they allow the music to come through them and then they react mm -hmm. accordingly whether it's dancing or <laughs> mm -hmm. you know it's like whatever it is it's like they al they allow the music to affect them mm -hmm. and that's the same thing if you're an actor you listen to the words you mm -hmm. look for what's in Hugh Jackman's eyes and allow it to affect you mm -hmm. have you ever taught so acting they, or do huh? you have any interest in ever doing that because you have so much doing wisdom what? Yeah, do, I ever do, what? Have you ever taught an acting class or do you have any desire to do it? I know you're, mm. you know, you, you don't need to do it, but you have so much wisdom 
well, thank you. Uh, thank you. Um, I don't teach acting because I think there are better people who can teach, you know, the ABCs of acting. Mm -hmm. What I do is I do have a class called Exploration hmm. and um, I've done it uh, through a place called Broadway Weekends mm -hmm. here in New York. And then I also taught it out in L.A. Um, and then one of my students, my first student to go from the class to a lead in a Broadway show. She was a dancer in Aladdin out at California Adventure. And um, I coached her and then she flew to New York and she became Connie Wong on Broadway. Um, and she used the techniques that I taught. And what I do is I don't believe in teaching people to act. I just teach people how to not act mm -hmm. and to be inspired mm -hmm. and to honor the character in the text. Mm -hmm. And it's like, um, if you can remind people that they one love what they're doing, um, if you can remind people that everything that they do is correct and that acting is believing, then they get out there and they just tell their stories. Just like I always say, if you were to read um, Mary Had a Little Lamb to uh, a classroom of five-year-olds, you would not think about, oh, how should I tell this story? Mm -hmm. You should, do I go, Mary had a little lamb? Mm -hmm. You just go, Mary had a little lamb. Mm -hmm. Its fleece was white as snow. You just say it. Mm -hmm. That is the same mindset that we need to have as performers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And think of it, not that you're making people smaller or less intelligent, but just know that they want to hear a story just like those those uh, five-year-old kids want to hear a story. Absolutely. Just t tell your story and don't worry about being validated whether you're good or not. Mm -hmm. If mm -hmm. you love, you are good, you are successful. I, I can I tell you, I'm going to say it over and over again. And so that's the kind of class that I teach. It's it's really to inspire people. And I do give some tools, some little tricks that I, uh, questions that I have them ask so that if they're a little lost with uh, trying to figure out a scene or a character, I do give them some tools. But again, I, I can't teach, I'm not going to teach no acting. That's, that's for, you know, some other people. <laughs> Uh, but I can teach someone to uh, to be inspired to use their own gifts to tell stories. For did sure. you did you pretty much learn by just doing it and working with great people, or d are there certain acting teachers that you credit for being responsible oh, for where you're definitely. at? Definitely, I had a great acting teacher at Tufts, um, Eric. Oh my God. And his dad was the sheriff in Best Little Whorehouse in Texas on Broadway, hmm. and his last name is. Ex escaped me but his first name was eric that was a great acting teacher because he was about the whole body mm -hmm. um i loved stella adler because she got me to be in touch with my soul and how important my soul was into to keep it open mm -hmm. and then um jeff goldblum has taught at the neighborhood playhouse mm -hmm. and that's the Meisner we technique, most, yes. Yes, and we did so many exercises, and I find that those exercises really, really helped me to listen. And well, that's been the what a, a great gift is to listen. And um, I also think he's one of the most fantastic actors. And people, I almost feel like he's like under the radar. Like mm -hmm. he's always good, but people don't realize what a great actor he is. And um, 
and those are like the three teachers that I remember. And of course, there have been other other teachers and especially in choir and things like that, that have uh, it may be music, but they still teach me about the arc of a story mm-hmm. and dynamics, things like that. Um, but those are the three people that sort of got me. And then I steal from everyone, every single actor I work with, I told you, even the little ones, the little eight-year-old ones, a music band, I steal from because, because everyone that's what has we do. <laughs> that you can use. I mean, we, comedians steal, actors steal, yes. singers yeah. steal. We all steal yeah. by people that influence yeah. us, whether we even sometimes we might not even be conscious of it. Do you, how right. about uh, directors, favorite directors that you've worked with, stage or screen and or screen, um, who have been some of... Are, are there any directors where you felt that that you've learned a lot from just by working with them? Well, definitely Jerry Zaks. And this is now the third uh, project I've done with Jerry Zaks. Um, I did my musical theater on stage debut with Jerry Zaks with Sister Act, the musical. And then we did a play together at um, a comedy uh, at Lincoln Center where I starred opposite Patti Lapone, And that was great. And then now this, um, I find that, you know, he's just... He has these pearls of wisdom, and if you listen to them, you go, oh, that's good. I can use that. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Whether they're for you or another actor, you know, I, I told you I steal. So I listen any rehearsal, every rehearsal with Jerry Zaks, you can listen to and you will get something. Mm-hmm. Jerry is very good. Um, I I love like Alex Timbers, who has Moulin Rouge on Broadway, and he was our director for the Pee Wee Herman show. And he created and directed Mozart in the Jungle, the TV series, if you know that, on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And um, Alex, I just found, was like, he has that like sense of like boyhood joy about, oh, we're putting on a play. And then he puts on these phenomenal uh, plays. Hmm. And I got to work with him twice. And I just feel that he can look at me, he sees what I do, and he gets what I do. Mm-hmm. And even if, you know, I may not be perfect, um, I feel, uh, how do you say, just sort of lifted up, you know, by the way he talks to me and appreciates whatever gifts I've shared. Um, I can go on and on about directors because I I, I love directors. Like, I really do. Um, even ones who may not have been the best director, they still have given me something. There's, there's no way that uh, an actor can be successful without a great editor and that's where directors come in yeah absolutely do you ever do you see yourself ever just shifting totally into directing and and not acting so much or is acting Uh, still a big passion as well no i mean of course i do uh you know there are periods where i direct more than i'm acting um and lately i haven't done as much directing um i've coached some people but not like directed a play or anything Mm -hmm. um or any tv but um again i think it's all the same thing Mm -hmm. i don't think you know oh i'm writing now or i'm directing now or i'm producing now it's more you're creating or acting now it's all the same to me i'm still i'm just a storyteller and whatever i use is what i use Mm -hmm. what it doesn't really matter yeah what are some of the different ways an actor can hustle up work for themselves? I, I don't know if any of the classes that you've taken have focused on the business of acting, because it's one thing just to have the goods and the talent. And then there's another thing mm-hmm. to get yourself work. 
a, a couple of ways. Um, this is what I always suggest to young actors who will feel like, oh my God, I'm not working. There's nothing out there. I ask them, where do you see you? What, what stories do you want to tell? Hmm. Um, like I know what story I want to tell. And, um, and then I'll ask them what plays that are currently out there do you want to be in? And if, uh, if, a, if an actor tells me they want to be in Fences, I said, well, then you better find out where they list the season for every regional theater in America and see who's doing Fences hmm. in the next year. Hmm. And then you do everything that in your power to be in that production of Fences. Hmm. And you great. think like, yeah, but they're not going to listen to me. Uh, but you're so proactive. to you unless you try. It's great that you're so proactive, though. Uh, I mean, you know, At, I put pro- well, probably a lot I of believe half people... in storytelling. Yeah, well. instead of believing in myself, I don't. You know, it's like it's like so many people get caught up in like being famous, and now it's like how many followers do you have on the Instagram? I could care less if to... I can't tell a story. Then I'm I, I won't I won't be anything. I, I don't care how many followers I have. I honestly don't understand why anyone would even want to be famous in today's world. I mean, there's lunatics out yeah. there. And when you're famous, yes, you draw attention too. There to is yourself. that too. Um, and fame doesn't really mean anything. I have been with very, very, very famous people um, where they were famous for a time. And then, um, like some of the kids in my show, once again, I'll mention someone. And then I'll have to explain who that woman was with Lady Gaga on the Oscars. And that woman was right, Liza right, Minnella. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You Unless someone is constantly promoting you, no matter how big of a star you are, yeah, you're, you're, people aren't gonna. I mean, I, I, I had my teeth cleaned by a 20 something year old dental hygienist that didn't know who Marlon mm-hmm. Brando was, didn't know who Jimmy Stewart was, didn't know who mm-hmm. Cary Grant was. Uh, unless someone is actively keeping your name alive like a Marilyn Monroe or Elvis or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. I don't care how big you are. You're going to get for- forgotten. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I couldn't believe that a friend of mine, he's 32 years old. He didn't know who Diana Ross was. Wow. And I was like, what about the Supremes? He's like, I think I heard of them. And then I named their songs. I showed him a picture of Diana Ross. Now, he's did he like, grow up mm, in a black or a white household? Huh? Did he grow up in a black household or a white household? Um, a white household, but still, Diana Ross is like she crossed, everywhere. Yeah, she crossed lines, but you know, yeah. If you would have said black, that's what I was. Black thinking. household, I definitely would have found that hard to believe, because <laughs> like, I mean, um, just just like, I, I I don't know. I I would I would put that to the test because it. I'm seeing now that you know the further and further away we get from certain people. Huh. People just have, they've been forgetting those people. Hmm. When was the last time you had to work a normal job? A normal job. Outside of entertainment. Okay. Hmm. I don't think I've ever really done anything outside of entertainment. Because you've been good Um, investing too. Like even the money you have, you make it work for you. (laughs) Yeah. Knock on wood. Um, I did long, long time ago. I did. Uh, I worked for a company where we um, did uh, surveys for current films. Hmm. So we would just cold call people and to find out if they knew. Uh, you go hi. 
Uh, my name is Lance, and I want to know um, what are the top three Broadway shows you've heard of you know, or films or whatever? And they would go Jurassic Park, Marry Me, and Spider-Man. And so that tells me that what you... they are aware of. And I would write that down. And then you tell you send that off. Um, that was... It was on the fringes of show business, but I wasn't exactly. Performing. But that just tells me that it was just meant for you to be in this business. Because even when you're not in the business, you're still kind of <laughs> uh, uh, tickling its toes. Um, yeah, you've you've toured in a lot of shows. What what's that touring experience like? And uh, is that something that you want to consider that in your past? Like that's kind of a, a younger man's game that touring and stuff. Or yes. did you find it pleasurable? It is definitely a younger uh person's game also they don't pay like they used to huh. uh tours from broadway used to pay almost more than what broadway paid because you would get per diem mm -hmm. so you'd be staying in hotels and you'd sublet your apartment so you got to make all the money and you know keep a lot of it mm -hmm. well um now they have these different contracts and they don't pay as much money. So it's not really worth it anymore. Hmm. Um, and, and I also have a thing where if I've done the show on Broadway, why do I want to do it, you know, out in the world where no one will know I'm doing anything? It's just like you go into these towns and then you're gone at the end of the week. So you can't really make a mark. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So it just seems like, you're just doing it just to be working as opposed to really uh, affecting people. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I know this one girl who was in my fair lady with me on Broadway, she couldn't wait to go on tour and she's been on the, my fair lady tour for almost, well, well with the pandemic, almost three over three years. Hmm. And she has loved every minute of it. She hmm. loves seeing the country. She, cause you'd never seen it like that. She loves, visiting family all over so it depends where you are and how it works for you yeah um, huh. not for me right now yeah how'd you get into directing and what was how the first show that you I've directed? always i've always directed i directed the first show i directed uh i told you i went to that school through a better chance um in the 70s and in my class it was you know someone who i've now been friends with for a few decades is Donna Murphy, who is a Tony Award winning Broadway actress and TV actor and movie actor. And uh, she won the Tony Award for Passion and King and I. And she's now on the Gilded Age. Well, Donna and I have been friends since we were 14 years old. And she was the first person I directed in a musical review I created called Broadway My Way. Hmm. And um, even though I told you the school was 99% Caucasian, we did excerpts from The Wiz. Because <laughs> I was the director. <laughs> and we sang Be a Lion. She was she was uh, Stephanie Mills and I was Ted Ross. Uh -huh. um, so, um, but I directed that show and I've always directed something. Uh, she and I co-directed, well, she directed and I choreographed um, our senior uh, musical, which was called The Frolics. Um, every senior class just does a variety show, um, sort of like the Harvard Hasty Pudding show. And um, and just, I've always done it. I, in college, directed Anything Goes. It just was always part of 
my being to direct. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know if I'm the best director. I mean, but I, I again, I think I'm inspiring and I get my performers to um, sort of leave themselves and allow them to become the characters. That's always my goal. Don't call me Corey Baker, call me Marco Potts. Cause I'm not Julia's son, not anymore. Don't call me Corey Baker, call me Marco Potts. Cause I'm not Julia's son like I was before.